The scripture reading for this evening is from the book of Daniel, chapter 6. Daniel and the lion's den. It's on page 1,381 of the Bibles in the pews. Oh, no. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 1,381. It's actually a longer story than I expected. It's like two and a half pages, or two pages. So we've got a little bit of reading for tonight. As we approach God's word, let's come before him in prayer. O Lord, our God and our King, we thank you for the blessing of your word. We thank you that through your word you created the heavens and the earth. We thank you that through your word you gave us the law so that we would know how to live holy lives. We thank you that through your word you sent the prophets to challenge and correct your people when they disobeyed your will. And we thank you most of all for that the word became flesh in Jesus Christ and died for the forgiveness of our sins. We pray that as we open your word this evening that you would send your Holy Spirit to us to fill our hearts, to open our minds and our ears to what you would have us hear, and to transform us evermore into the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him, because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel had learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. 
Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands, in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed, and his dominion will never end. He rescues, and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. This is the word of the Lord. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at the themes that our children learned in vacation Bible school a couple of weeks ago about the nature of God how God is our creator, provider, protector, redeemer, and king. And the way that we learn about these things is by reading the stories revealed to us in Scripture that teach us about who God is and what that means to us. So two weeks ago, we looked at the story of Elijah being fed by ravens to ponder how God provides for us in times of need. 
Last week, Pastor Carol led, in, led us in a meditation and we had time to reflect on the wonders of God's creation. And this week, we turn to the story of Daniel being thrown into the lion's den, where Daniel is protected by the lions by an angel sent by God who shuts their mouths. The story of Daniel is an interesting one. Together with the book of Ezra, it's the only book in the Bible that where part of the book is written in the language of Aramaic, which is a language that's very close to Hebrew, but it was the official language of the Babylonian, Persian, the Babylonian and Persian empires. And so the first chapter of the book of Daniel is written in Hebrew, and then from chapter 2, verse 4, all the way through to the end of chapter 6 that we read today, it, the text is in Aramaic. And after this text, in chapter 7, it goes back to Hebrew, and Daniel starts to speak in first person. Um, and so, so, in a way, the story of Daniel in the lion's den is a conclusion to the narrated portion of the story of Daniel and his friends in the city of Babylon. And it really is quite an end. Daniel and his three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, maybe better known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their Babylonian names, They've interpreted dreams for emperors. They've been thrown into a fiery furnace for refusing to bow before an idol. They've seen kings walk on all fours and eat grass like beasts. They've interpreted letters inscribed on a wall by the finger of God. And just before the story that we read for today, they saw the great kingdom of Babylon overthrown by the Medes and the Persians. And so now Daniel and all the Jews living in Babylon have a new king. They're living under a new empire, and they face new challenges to their faith. But the story of Daniel throughout is a story of God's lordship over the nations. Daniel and his fellow Jews see Jerusalem conquered by foreign nations. They see kings rise and fall, empires begin and crumble, but through it all, the God of Israel remains constant. And Daniel and his friends respond with faithfulness of their own. Despite living in a culture that doesn't respect their religion, despite serving kings who bow down before idols, the Jews in Babylon remember their God and continue to pray to him for deliverance. There are a lot of really beautiful psalms written about the Jewish exile in Babylon. And like we heard this morning, these psalms cover the whole range of attitudes towards the exile. Psalm 44 comes from the perspective of someone who has been faithful to God their whole life and doesn't understand how God could do something like this to his people. Psalm 106 is a psalm of confession for the sins of Israel, asking God to forgive them of their sins and to remember his covenant and restore them to the land. And maybe the best known of the psalms of exile is the lament of Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. Prayers for mercy, prayers for forgiveness, prayers of anger and sadness, of hope and faithfulness, these are the prayers of the exile. But throughout these prayers, the psalmists remember God and ask him to remain faithful to his covenant promise. And these are the prayers, perhaps, that best represent Daniel and his friends, because despite their situation, Despite the turmoil they go through, they remain faithful to God. And this is not something that serves them so well in the eyes of other people. 
Yes, Daniel prospers in Babylon under the Babylonians, and even after the Babylonians are overthrown, he prospers under Persian rule. So much so, in fact, that Daniel is one of three administrators appointed over the entire Persian Empire. He's so distinguished and excellent that the king of Persia even thinks he might appoint him to rule over the whole empire in his stead. And this, of course, doesn't please the other satraps and administrators who want such a distinguished title for themselves. And so they plot together to trap Daniel in some sort of scheme. And whenever I read this story, I can't help but think of the VeggieTales clip where the administrators of Persia all get together and they start singing, Oh no, what we gonna do? The king likes Daniel more than me and you. Oh no, what we gonna do? We gotta get him out of here. And that's exactly what they do. They plan for how they're going to get rid of Daniel. At first, they try to accuse him for some sort of flaw in his character, but they can't find any because Daniel is so honest and forthright and diligent in his work. So they use against him the only fault that they can find, his faith. And so Daniel is in a dangerous situation, and even the emperor himself is helpless to prevent Daniel's fate. He's bound by his own decree. But through it all, God protects Daniel. And as a result of God's actions, the entire Persian empire is led to recognize the Lord God as king over all the earth. The story of Daniel is one of intrigue and political scheming, but even all the scheming in the world cannot undo what God has done for those he loves. The satraps and administrators accuse Daniel of praying to his God and have him thrown into the lion's den. But God sends an angel to close shut the mouths of the lions. The satraps and administrators trick the emperor Darius into issuing this decree that gets Daniel into trouble. And God sends his spirit to give Darius the strength to fast the whole night through. In the same way in the story of the gospel, when the Pharisees and teachers of the law plot to have Jesus killed, God raises him from the dead. The first letter of Peter tells us that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for people to devour. In the grand story of scripture, this enemy is called Satan, the accuser. Satan accuses us of sin before God's throne. He weaves his webs to catch us in wrongdoings and bring those wrongs before God. Sometimes he brings those wrongdoings before us and cripples us with guilt and shame so that we feel worthless. In the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis 4, God warns Cain that sin is crouching at his door and that it desires to master him. Satan wants to trap us in sin, to devour us with wrongdoing so that we are thrown into the lion's den. But we know from the story of Daniel that God has power even over the lions. He sends his angel to shut the mouths of the lions and protects his faithful servant Daniel from them. The jaws of death are closed tight and the path to life is opened by the work that God accomplishes for his servants. God protects Daniel from the schemes of the satraps and the administrators. God protects Daniel from the mouths and claws of the lions. And God protects us from the jaws of the prowling lion Satan and from the schemes and the webs that he weaves.
Because of God's protection, Daniel knows that he can trust in God. And stories of this sort always strike me and impress me. We see these stories all the way through scripture and all through Christian history, where men and women of faith stand up for the gospel without fear, knowing that they are safe in the arms of God. Daniel does so here in Daniel chapter 6. Jesus stands up to the whole might of Rome and the religious hierarchy of Israel in the Gospels. In the book of Acts, the apostles stand up in the face of persecution. And later, Paul stands firm, even when he is sent before Caesar himself. One of the stories that always impresses me every time I hear it is the story of Martin Luther, whose 95 Theses started what we now call the Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther was living in a time when even the church seemed to have forgotten the power of God to defeat sin and death. Instead of assuring people of their salvation in God, the church was spreading fear of hell in order to raise money for building projects in Rome. Priests traveled around Europe telling faithful, simple Christians that they were in danger of hell if they they committed even the slightest sin. And Martin Luther believed this with all his heart. Luther would go to confession for hours at a time, so crippled by his sins and so unsure of his salvation. But as he read scripture, he realized more and more that the power of God is greater than the power of Satan. That God has the power to defeat Satan That God in Christ has already forgiven our sins and made us whole and new through the Holy Spirit. And so Martin Luther began to speak out against the fear-mongering practices of the church, teaching that according to Scripture, we are justified by faith through grace. He began to teach that God has already defeated the devil and is even now working our salvation out in us. And when he was accused of heresy at the Diet of Worms and asked to recant his views, he said, quite simply, unless I am convinced by the testimony of scriptures or by clear reason, I am bound by the scriptures. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything. Here I stand. I can do no other. May God help me. Amen. In the face of incredible opposition, Martin Luther trusted in the protection of God, just as Daniel trusted in the protection of God. May God bless us all with this kind of faith that stands firm in the face of opposition, knowing that the Lord of heaven and earth, who raised our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, protects us as well. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.